Welcome to I Like to Movie Movie, the podcast about movie movies. My name is Garrett Smith. My name is Dan Scully. I can't believe we didn't immediately think of that rhyme because we have a movie with that rhyme. Great work, Garrett. Good work. I, I don't know how my brain got to that as late as it did. Uh, uh, we are joined by uh, Jeff Ryan, uh, the director and I believe writer as well of uh, Blood from Stone, uh, hey which is a uh, hi, Jeff. Welcome to I Like to Movie Movie. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for letting me use your movie as a bone tomahawk rhyme. Yes, I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Wait, did uh, you actually before the show give Jeff any background as to nope. what that is? Okay, he has no yeah, idea why we're doing bone tomahawk rhymes. He's got no. none at all. Cool, uh, cool. We don't need to fill that in. No, no. <laughs> the can... listeners network. Yeah. I'm used to being clueless. It's fine. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, well, so. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much for being here. I want to make sure our listeners uh, are aware of your your movie as we start here, Blood from Stone, uh, which has a 2020 release date on it. I, I just got to see it. I believe just is now available on Amazon Prime and some other places, yes. right? Yeah, it's on Prime, uh, Roku TV, Tubi, uh, Google Play. I think you can even rent it on uh, YouTube. Uh, awesome. But then... Be bouncing out to a few other platforms, you know, typically small indie release. It kind of trickles out in other platforms, but uh, it's yeah. getting out there. Well, I I think Dan and I will both, as we get into this conversation, heartily recommend this movie to our listeners. Um, definitely get, like look it up on Prime, wherever you can find it, rent it, uh, put your eyeballs on it. And then, uh, you know, c come back and, and listen to us, uh, you know, hopefully get into some really good stuff about Jeff's movie here. Um, I got to see this because my partner, Tori, who our listeners definitely know, she's been a guest on the show a bunch of times. Um, she reviewed your movie uh, for Cinema76.com. Um, and, uh, you know, when she gets screeners, I have the privilege of, you know, <laughs> living with her and getting to also watch them. And uh, man, I I really liked your movie uh, so much so that we you know we we found each other and we're able to get you here on the show today and I'm I'm very excited to uh, to talk to you about it. Thank you. That's awesome yeah. to hear. Yeah, right. I watched it last night and um, nice. definitely highly recommend. But I wonder if before we get started, yeah. can you just throw us a pitch, give our audience a little oh, flavor here as to what this uh, what this movie is. Funny enough, Torrent was actually probably closest to describing it. I When I first wrote it and I was uh, kind of telling some people about it, uh, I would just say it's uh, leaving Las Vegas meets natural born killers, but with vampires. <laughs> yeah. I would say that describes it perfectly. Great description of the movie. <laughs> describes it perfectly. Yeah. Um, I don't actually, I forgot what I was going to say. Go ahead. What were you going to say, Gary? Uh, I just, I mean, that's a great description. I, my, on Letterboxd, I think I called it Leaving Las Vegas because I'm real cute. Yes. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I do think that's like a great entry point to sort of start talking about the movie. And, uh, you know, it, I think it's why Tori and I both kind of latched onto that is kind of the, I mean, so it's a, it's a vampire movie, but, uh, you know, it sort of takes vampire mythology and uses it to tell a story about addiction and, um, you know, toxic relationships. And there's some 
hints of like colonialism. I, I feel like, you know, a sort of commentary on colonialism running throughout. There's like a lot of interesting things you're doing with vampire mythos that I don't know. I think when I sat down to a movie that I was kind of, I understood it to be leaving Las Vegas with vampires. Uh, you know, I, I didn't expect it to be all of these things that are not accurately described by calling it leaving Las Vegas with vampires, right? That's yeah. a nice entry point into the movie. That's where we start sort of in our first 10 minutes. And then, I don't know, I was very impressed by all of the places you sort of, you kind of let these characters take the story as it goes. Um, there's just an impressive amount of world building here through those characters. And I'm, I don't know, Thank I'm very you. interested to talk to you about that. Part of, I mean, yeah, I, I appreciate that uh, you two actually saw some of those layers because it is very easy to take it as just a, a vampire movie yeah. um, that happens to be a, a little bit more of a somber and slice of life type of vampire movie. But uh, the direction I took it was somewhat inspired by, so my first film is this, uh, another small indie called Frey, and it was about a returning Marine vet. And it got great response, but like a, it's not an easy watch. It's a it's a film that like a, a handful, of even just people in my little circle would say like I I'm glad I watched it. I don't ever want to see it again because it just it's depressing. It's brutal it, uh, on an emotional level. I like um, Frey. Yeah. <laughs> That's a cool movie. Yeah, um, and I mean the response to it, people who did see it was super positive. But it's just like it's not like hey honey, what do you want to watch tonight? Oh, let's watch this one. It's gonna make us depressed for the next week. Um, and so with blood from stone, you know, I'm always, I always like to try and tackle heavy themes, stuff like that. Uh, but I wanted to try and do one in a way that actually would just be fun to watch, taking a little bit of, uh, inspiration from like Verhoeven who, yeah. I mean, not that this is anywhere near like a RoboCop or a Starship Troopers or something like that, but like, he was like the master of making a blockbuster with incredibly deep social, political, and uh, just cultural critiques to them. Uh, I'd say that between this and Showgirls, you, you shoot Vegas very similarly. I oh think it captures you. that same Vegas vibe, for sure. Yeah, it and I mean, honestly, like uh, Verhoeven's one of my biggest favorite directors and biggest influences. Like the guy just really knows, he knows how to deal with such heavy, heavy themes and do it in a way that's palatable to a mainstream audience. Uh, and so kind of what I wanted to do is, you know, and I, I jokingly refer to like Frey was my like post Bush, early Obama, like malaise years of like just accepting the wars are going to go on forever. There's nothing we can do about it. And the economy sucks. Go screw yourself. The banks are fine. Um, so everything's <laughs> good. So that was my first film. This one, um, this one was kind of, you know, started bubbling like with you know the sort of backlash like the sort of tea party into trump like this uh you know cultural sort of uh can't think of the word right now but just this like animosity toward this changing of eras of you know i, I jokingly always say like my grandfather was a wonderful human being but he he stopped caring about this about like the world anymore after like John Wayne stopped making movies and black people got to vote. Mm -hmm. It's like after that, it's like, well, he just took the world from me. I no longer matter. And so he checked out. And so that was kind of an inspiration for like Yure is this guy who he's a vampire has been around for centuries. He's used to being the king of the world. Everything was handed to him on a silver platter. Mm. Um, and now all of a sudden his girlfriend has developed agency and she's decided that she doesn't want to be with him anymore. 
Um, there's police and investigations, so he can't just get away with whatever bad things he wants to do, mm-hmm. you know, similar to like a Me Too sort of movement or that sort of thing. So there's this, he's got this like emotional backlash that he's dealing with of this changing culture. And then for, uh, for Daria, she's learning that agency. She comes from a different era. And how does she navigate this new world where she gets to make choices, whether good or bad? Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of trying to explore ideas like that, that are relatable to the current times we're in, but doing it through something that's not so heavy handed. Like I, I try not to let my own politics get into the film, but just let the characters explore the ideas that are always circling around in my head. Yeah. I think that's where this movie come, you know, ended up being so strong for me. Uh, when I, when I first hit play on it, I saw it was just under two hours and I was like, Oh man, okay. That's, that's a lot of time, which, you know, I can watch a movie that's 10 hours long if I need to, but you know, when I'm sitting down to watch a movie for work, I'm like, mm, I don't know, it's going to be long. Yeah. And almost immediately that fizzled. And it was because, you know, even just upon their introductory scenes, I immediately cared about just about every character that you put in front of me. And so I went in expecting like, OK, this is going to be, you know, like a, a, a lower budget vampire movie. We're going to see some gore and stuff like that. And within 10 minutes, I was like, no, I actually like care. This is... <laughs> I'm I'm drawn in, and it also delivers on what I expect from a vampire movie. I mean, my my immediate point of comparison was Only Lovers Left Alive, the Jarmish mm-hmm. one, which is a movie that I I quite like, but that seems so interested in just playing with vampire mythos in a vacuum, yeah. and not really del- and like trying to be an anti-vampire, not like against vampires, but like an alt-vampire film where it's not. And so yeah. this. This actually takes the mythos, brings it into the character, brings it into this, you know, the cultural commentary and delivers a pretty wicked, gnarly vampire movie, too. Uh, so, so yeah, my, my point just being really this this exists on character. And yeah. I think that is that is why I'm going to think about it a lot uh, and look back on it and think about these characters fondly, because I immediately did care for them. Yeah, I, I loved these characters like that is definitely uh one of my big takeaways from the movie and by the way like very helped by great costuming um that was something i like really really loved about the movie i thought the costumes were really good and distinctive and they tell you a lot about the character like they do feel like what these characters would wear but they are also they're all advertising a certain version of themselves with like what they're wearing and that's like that's part of their characters it, i really really liked um th- that's even specific the with the uh yeah. with the doctor too and she's like oh you should have yeah. kept your scrubs and he's like oh you know i wanted the suit yeah and then yeah. they get all get all horny on the idea of violence pretty great <laughs> yeah. yeah i appreciate that because i was also the costume designer so. oh, right on <laughs> that's amazing i they're great i, I genuinely i was like so impressed with the just overall world building here and and how much the costumes felt part of the characters and vice versa. Um, yeah, Jura Jeff's... really did look like a uh, cowboy zombie bob. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> I'm into that. Uh, Dan and I were uh, <laughs> laughing about that line this morning. It's so good. I, that just, you know, when you get like a phrase stuck in your head instead of a song, I have had cowboy zombie bob in my, because it's just so, it says so nice. It It's just great. <laughs> It's the way Nika delivers it is so perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, uh, some what you said earlier uh, made me think of two things that I that I wanted to bring up, and one was just that um, I do think like one of the great things about genre and genre movies is it offers the audience 
a certain amount of distance from the material. And, and so it does become something where my partner and I will watch rape revenge movie after rape revenge movie, even though we never want to see rape in any movie, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and it's because genre offers this, like the appropriate amount of distance, I think for an audience to be able to be entertained. And then I think if you're like a, you know, a smart filmmaker and you want to do this with your movie, you can then use that little bit of distance and the entertainment value that's inherent there to be kind of subversive and, and and do the Verhoeven thing of like include the social commentary like within that. And it becomes yeah. a movie that you want to watch as opposed to feel is too heavy, even though you could be talking about exactly the same things as a movie, you know, absent of genre. Yeah, that's that's that was kind of the point of both, you know, like I said, with that first film, I mean, one of the favorite one of my favorite messages I've ever gotten was from a guy who's an actual combat vet and he emailed me and Coincidentally, his email, or it was like a Facebook message, but it came in the day that we arrived in Vegas to shoot Blood from Stone. Oh, wow. Uh, so just timing-wise, it was also kind of symbolic. But he sent this message uh, to myself and the lead actress of that film on Facebook just saying, I want to let you know I haven't seen your film in four years, but I still think about it every day. Thanks so much for making it. Wow. And I mean, I cheered up. It was like, that's a beautiful thing to hear from someone. But as a filmmaker, I'm like film that people only watch once and never watch again is not exactly what my distributors want to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, like, I just think, you know, like you're saying, I mean, Verhoeven's a good example, uh, but so many of the films I loved when I was, like, growing up that were, uh, you know, kind of led to my own taste in films, like films like California with, uh, you know, David oh, Duchovny, man. Brad Pitt. I haven't Lewis, thought of that in forever. And, such a fun film. Like I've watched that one Freeway with Reese Witherspoon and Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, Freeway Rules. Yes. Yeah. So uh, good. you know, Brittany Murphy in one of her most iconic, wonderful roles. Uh, you know, all like films like that. Uh, even The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover, which is so heavy. Georgie. Yes. Dude, that is. That's. I can watch those over and over. And they're dark and heavy, and there's like horrible things that happen to them. But there's also there's one-liners that you want to quote. There's mm -hmm. uh, characters that you just love. I mean, Tim Roth and Cook the Thief, his wife and her lover. I mean, it's such a small role, but it's actually one of my favorites of his because he's just he's adorable and yet he's horrible at the same time. Uh, so I just I wanted to kind of go back to those sort of roots and just play and have fun and make something that, if you want to just enjoy it. It's enjoyable, hopefully. Um, but if you want to actually really dissect it and go into issues of colonialism and how acts of violence historically don't ever go away until they've been addressed, and they can actually escalate and cr create a resentment and, um, you know, issues like that. You can get into issues of uh, gender politics with it. You can really go in and dissect all that stuff if you want to. Mm -hmm. But if you just want to see vampires be vampires and do some horrible things to each other and to random degenerates and vagrants in uh, Las Vegas, then you can do that, too. Yeah, it certainly caught me by surprise, like watching the malaise that our lead feels um, just because, like, I am of the demographic that that could inaccurately feel threatened by the way that just power is is shifting. And, uh, you know, and I see a lot of it in people like my dad and and. Uh, he he had a very similar reaction to like say Obama becoming president yes. as I imagine your your grandfather had he he was just of yeah. that thing, and so it was wild to see some of the malaise that I have to work not to feel and do the effort not to feel in this character who 
surface level is is pretty scary and terrible. And so, but it was a great way for me to be able to identify with this guy, to be able to identify that monster within myself and then choose a divergent path from that. And I was very surprised by having this thought process watching the movie, because once again, I was, you know, feeling the characters and into it. And then suddenly I'm, you know, self-investigating culturally. (laughs) So it was definitely, uh, you know, kudos to the way that that character was written, because I'm able to identify with a guy that I look, sound and act nothing like but internally have so many things that I'm like, shit, that's, that is, that's my vampire. That's my monster in there that I have to be careful about. It's really great. Vanya was such a perfect find for it. Like I'm still like grateful that he just entered into my orbit. Uh, Cause to have this guy who, you know, I mean, it'd already been written with this sort of, you know, there was the, the cowboy kind of Western film iconography that was kind of littered throughout it. And obviously, like the rugged individualistic, uh, you know, cowboy is kind of an American icon of uh, that has, you know, just like any uh, stereotype, it has its positives and and its negatives or whatever. And there's, you know, the uh, so I wanted kind of a character that could embody that. And then with Vanya entering the world, and he looks like a Jason Momoa like Marvel superhero. That's like yet one more archetype that's being thrown into it or a symbol of that ultra powerful rugged individual that can just guide his own path and so to deconstruct that through vanya's performance was fun and have this character like you said he's he's coping with it and even you know no spoilers but he kind of finds a way to become the good guy Mm. uh in his own way to actually do the right thing and to you know to make a choice that's based on the betterment of others and not just for his own selfish you know, individualistic uh, viewpoint that he's always, you know, as a guy who grew up aristocratic, could go out on the battlefield, crush skulls like a kid in a candy store and take whatever he wanted. He's never had to be accountable for anything. So that's his immaturity. You know, he's never had to mature because he's never been accountable for anything. Um, And now he's finally being held to account. And so it is about his maturing in a way and the struggles that it takes to mature. So... Yeah, I actually, when you were, uh, uh, two things about that, when you were talking earlier and now about him again, I the, something that didn't occur to me while watching it, I, I was very much thinking about the idea of this kind of changing landscape for, I, I guess, like men in America, basically. I, I was thinking about that throughout the movie, but what I wasn't thinking about was that, like, he is kind of an ultimate boomer, like, when you think about him on that long timeline, right? Oh, Where yeah. it's like he's been around so long and has never had to be accountable for anything. Yeah. And it's like... It, it, I did yeah, not every, think about it every memory light. is the good old days. Yes, exactly. but only if you see it through the lens of completely just you and your vacuum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he kind of okay. reminded me of like your buddy's older brother who introduced you to some cool shit, and you would hang out with him. But then you'd be like, "Listen, we can't be near this guy though because he might draw us into something really dangerous." <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah. like it's dangerous. cool, and I'm glad that I know about fish now. But uh, <laughs> we should get out of here. You know, like he kind of had that vibe. Although I cannot imagine that he would ever listen to fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you ever want to have a wonderful time, check out Vanya's YouTube page. He's a phenomenal guitarist, and he does guitar covers. And he'll do, like, Phil Collins, or he'll do White Snake, or he'll do, like... And he's amazing. Fucking and love Phil Collins. <laughs> I-, I need to watch him playing Phil Collins. <laughs> oh, man. And he's, he's, I mean, Vanya is really like, I mean, he, he was like this rare find because he, he walks in and, you know, he looks like a big giant meathead. Yeah. Um, and 
as a good friend of mine said, he's like, he's like, usually when you see a guy like that, he spends so much time on his body. He hasn't really developed the mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Vani is brilliant. He's like, he's a, he does special effects on the side. He's a, he's toured like international as a musician. He's been a professional dancer. He also did MMA. Like he's just an all well, like a well-rounded guy. So he's kind of a perfect find for this guy who maybe hasn't matured, but he has been around centuries. Like he knows yeah. a little bit about everything. Uh, he's he's a, worldly. Yes, he's very worldly, right? It's like, a, which is not necessarily a side of maturity, but it's he he does he's cultured in a in a sense, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and uh, and then also there was you know uh, this sense of uh, you know from again just with when Vanya kind of entered my orbit during the casting, it's just like I started seeing the character. He allowed me to see my character in a new way. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that you say that because before we started recording, Garrett and I were talking about it. And the main question we wanted to ask you, which you've now answered without us yeah. asking, was did you write this for this guy? Because the symbiosis between what's on the page and what he's doing is flawless. Like, yeah. it, it seems like he's it's written for him. Yeah. I mean, Nika was, uh, was you know, not only does she play Victoria, and she's an amazing actress that, uh, you know, I've known for a while, but she was also kind of my casting director on it. And so mm. when we were at the casting, he walked in. And we finished with his. When he walked out, the first thing she said to me, she just turns and looks at me, and she's like, I think he might actually be a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> yes. At the very and least, he's, he's a cowboy he's, zombie bub. He totally is cowboy zombie bub. But he's also, he's the sweetest guy, and you just yeah. want to, like, hug him. It's like He's just like this, uh, just a wonderfully, genuinely sweet person, which was so essential to the character of Yure, was this guy who can be a monster... And yet in the next moment is literally this like lonely little kid that just doesn't understand why he doesn't have any friends. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and he just, he perfectly embodied that. He was, he was such a, I was so fortunate to find him for the film. Yeah. I, I like when Dan and I were talking about it, I was like, I mean, did he write on the page that he's a hulking like sex machine or like, <laughs> does a hulking, like, does this Hulk walk through the door? And he's like, Okay, now I go back to my script and he becomes the whole, you know, it's like, because yeah. it really feels like so, something about his size and stature feels baked into the character. Um, and that is like remarkable to me that that is sort of just a, uh, you know, a, a synchronicity of the universe that like, you know, your script and his person kind of unite like I mean, that. I put together like a bunch of, like when I've, first wrote it and I was starting to kind of like pitch it around and try to, you know, even just figure it out on my own. I put together a, a, a kind of a mood board for it of like just different, like who I saw the different people in it as. And for him, it was people like, you know, Glenn Danzig, Rob Zombie or yeah. Cowboy Zombie Bob. <laughs> uh, uh, people like that, you know, even some, uh, I even, I actually had a little bit more refined. I even had some images from like John Barbados uh, fashion ads and stuff like that. So he was gonna my in my image it was um, sort of that still held on to a little bit of that aristocratic playboy type of vibe that you see in a lot of vampire films, but also like a you know this kind of like guy who's adopted this cowboy rock and roll uh, image, and then like I said, Vanya entered my orbit and I was just like he's he's so much better than what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like I like. A, a, a slight wardrobe change would put him right at home in the interview with the vampire. Like he yeah. has that's like, you could easily tweak him into that, but you put the, you know, zombie Bob stuff on him and that suits too. Yeah. It, and it is fascinating because I don't see a lot of larger vampires 
in in uh you know like any mass media they're always skinny and like you know sexy by way of being svelte or yeah. by being like hidden and he is not uh not small and not at all hidden he's very large and in charge but thinking about a vampire in the form of that body type is is quite scary when you try and take it as as a horror thing and it's something that kind of felt new just because i haven't seen a large vampire in a while when we were doing the audition the scene that we had them read for was uh for his role was the uh the ride share scene yeah. yes oh, and that poor driver was so bad he has kids <laughs> i didn't feel we're so bad for the people that him in the back seat back. with two other people yeah, yeah. it's like that just that that alone is a punchline. Like I don't even have to do yeah. anything. Just him in in a ride share is a punchline. Yes. I thought it was a really fun choice too to have the guy enter first and have the girl on the outside, uh, because there is this sort of subconscious thing that this guy's like, I'm just gonna make sure I get between this dude and my girl. And it's like, bro, that guy could break you. Yeah. With with a blink of an eye, you know. So don't even act like you're so tough. It, it was oh, such yeah. a great little great choice. Thank uh, you. Yeah, I've been that guy before that puts myself between the the woman and the threat, knowing that at most I'm a five second speed bump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't protect you, babe, but I will delay damage for just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. That's what you get. That's what you get when you're with me. Um, Dan and I were actually uh, texting about that scene earlier today because uh, I we both really liked it. Uh, but the particular thing that we, it was so funny, we both kind of like said this independently of each other was just like, when that scene started, I was like, oh, this is what this movie is. Like, yeah. I thought that was Uber vampire the, going on. Right, a hunt. I thought, I yes. thought that was going to be the plot of the movie that like act one was all to get us to like this point where it's like, and now here's where he discovers this thing that allows for him to be the drunkest vampire of all time, all the time. Yeah, uh, and I was. By the way, it's. I really love that the movie does not do that. You know, veers away from that and continues to go on to other things. But it was very funny that both Dan and I had the thought of like, oh wow, what an idea! Okay, we got a movie. But it here. did that. Uh, it did that like Jaws Beach psycho shower thing where I was yeah. like, oh, it just occurred to me how horribly dangerous the concept of an Uber is. If you if you so choose to exploit the mechanism for evil, yeah. it's it's right there. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. got terrified for a minute. <laughs> well, that I apparently uh, I haven't seen it, but apparently uh, earlier this uh, like around the end of 2020, early 2021, there's apparently a movie about a like a Uber serial killer. I've seen it. It's called Have Scream. you? Okay. Scream. Uh, and it's got stars... the kid from Stranger Things. Yeah. Okay, uh, I've not watched that. It was the good? guy who plays Steve on uh, on Stranger Things. He's a great actor, and I think is very good in the movie. And the he's movie... in those Taco Bell fries commercials <laughs> that yeah, Sony right. made. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Spree is a cool movie that I, I don't know how else to say this other than just it feels very much like a boomer panic movie. Like, what are the kids doing with the Internet? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But you have a frill, though. What are the kids doing with the Internet? I mean, <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. talk. I don't even, even want to know. <laughs> uh, but it is actually a pretty entertaining movie for, for what it is, I think. Uh, and he's tremendous in it. That kid. Is yeah, like it, very it looked pretty cool. Yeah. I did not know that that was the concept. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. He's, a, he's, a, he's an uber serial killer, basically. But not a vampire. Not a vampire. Next. Yeah. <laughs> Done. <laughs> well, that, one of the critiques I got of the the script when I was first kind of passing around is like people felt like it, it uh, thought it felt very episodic because it's like, oh, now he's an Uber driver and now he's with the prostitute and her pimp and now he's 
that and same with like the Daria character. It's like, oh, she's got this guy and then she's got this guy and then she's, you know, so it has a sort of episodic vibe to it. Each of those I probably could have turned into their own film. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, but yeah, I... it was kind of, you know, oh, sorry, what was that? Well, let me pay you two compliments on that structure, because I think for one, the nature of it being a Las Vegas movie um, makes for I, I actually think the episode <laughs> that's what existence is like in Las Vegas. Quite exactly, episodic. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think that actually very much justifies that structure in and of itself. But the other thing is, I think, as an addiction movie, um, that structure is almost necessary. I, I think that that is w- w- the experience of addiction feels like that, I think, mm-hmm. um, uh, especially in retrospect. And then I, I also think that um, as we are watching him go through a downward spiral, um, seeing each of those episodes represents a very specific part of his progression, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I think that you almost need it to be that series of episodes um, in order to, it's like by the end of the movie, you understand the full trajectory that he has been on, um, that his his former partner has been on throughout the movie and the way that they intersect and affect each other. Um, but I, you know, it is in that full scope of the movie that those things become clear, you know? Um, and, and so anyway, I think that that episodic structure is like almost necessary um, or at least justified by the type of story you're telling. Well, and I'll add too, being a vampire movie, you it's it's hard to show the progression of day to night to day to night without day and night being a thing. Yeah. And yeah. with Vegas being a town that works very, very hard to make sure you don't see daylight unless they so choose to let you see daylight, <laughs> the episodic nature works. And I think just for the sake of rewatchability, I can see myself watching this again or, you know, let's say it's just on TV. It's the kind of movie that I feel like, oh, this is that scene though. We'll watch this yeah, and then we can move yeah. on. And then every scene is that scene where I go, oh, no, no, we should watch this one. This, this is cool. <laughs> and so it's, I'm, I feel I'm going to watch this a lot and show it to people a lot simply because of that episodic nature, because it just keeps drawing you in with these like mini, mini movies. Cool. I'm glad it worked. Cause it was one, uh, <laughs> I mean, I thought in my head it did, but, I also, I mean, I literally told everybody, the uh, cast, like main cast, crew, like we might be making a flaming train wreck. I have <laughs> no idea. Because uh, like some of the, you know, did the script review things where you, you know, you pay a couple hundred dollars and some anonymous person sends you back their notes. And I take all that with a grain of salt because I know they're kind of going more of like the studio system type of film or something like that. But like one of them, like they literally said it's like the, the percentage odds of it ever being rated fresh on Rotten Tomatoes was like 6%. Why would they? That is insane to me that that is <laughs> yeah, a... what a weird metric. You're like, here's $300 yeah. for you to tell me what my Rotten Tomatoes percentage is going to be yeah, after was, reading my script. I mean, they, they also like, you know, had information like box office, all sorts of stuff. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I got that. I got a lot of like really negative stuff about uh, about the character Yure, about how he's not likable. And he's yeah. like as a protagonist or a main character, even an anti-hero. Yeah. You know, and stuff like that. But again, like so much of that was in the casting. You know, I'd yep. love to give my writing the credit. And I, I'm glad you enjoyed some of the lines that I did have in there. Uh-huh. But, you know, we searched for I would months. say likable was his big asset. I found him so likable. And that's what made him such a potentially scary presence in every moment. Yeah, because you can see why people would want to hang out with him. Yes. Yeah, he's a cool dude. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody sorry, drinks, I so. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. His whole setup that he has going on in that, you know, opening scene is like you immediately get it. You're like, yeah, I understand how these guys fall victim to this and why this works for him probably as consistently and frequently as it does. And that's a great little rug pull in that scene, too, when he's like, oh, yeah, is that, he's like one of your regulars. And she's like, never seen him before. <laughs> I did like an oh, fuck kind of thing. <laughs> that was cool. There was, uh, if I have one regret, like somehow on such a small budget with a really just, we had a, I mean, our entire production team was, uh, was nine people. Uh, like we, it was like very like a a lean production and somehow we pulled off that, like this insane, uh, two hour film. Um, there's one shot I still regret not being able to get. And we just ran out of time. The sun rose was a location we only had for that day. But in that bar scene, I wanted to have, as he uh, walked off, we were going to have him put the bodies in the into the dumpster. Mm-hmm. And then I was going to show that there was just going to be like about like three or four other parties that had been there before that one that we saw and just show this whole thing, which is then a call to like the next scene when she asked him how many he had to drink. And he's like, I don't know, seven or eight or whatever. Yeah. And show that there was like, you know, at least eight to 10 bodies in that dumpster that he'd gone through that night. Yeah. I never got around. We could not, we didn't have time to get that shot. And I still regret not being able to have that. I felt like that would have been a nice little button on the end of that scene, then going to the title sequence. I, I understand the regret, but I think the movie, uh, you know, I, I, I gathered that without having to uh, to, yeah. to see it, if that makes sense, right? That's like, good. I'm glad it yeah, still works. definitely gathered that, because in the dialogue, they do talk about how he's kind of been there all night. And, yeah. You know, and he's evidently quite wasted. Yeah. So, yes. you know, at least I, when uh, he's found in the alleyway there. You also, Jeff, you just said something, which was another thing I wanted to ask you about, which is, is how small the production was. Because um, watching the movie, I, I, like... Another thing I really liked about this and was impressed by is, um, and I don't know how else to say this other than like it watches really well. And, and part of that is like very good editing and pacing, I think throughout, but also like it's a, a really good looking Vegas movie as, as Dan kind of said before, there's like, there's certain things you're doing occasionally where you're kind of just letting me, I mean, almost psychedelically enjoy the way Vegas looks when I'm a little bit wasted in the middle of the night, kind of wandering the streets, right? Like you're just it's not kind of... necessarily the most glamorous view of Vegas, right? but it captures exactly what she said. And exactly what I love about like being in the center of something like times square where you go, it's two in the morning, but it looks like daytime. Like that's, yeah. you know, I think that was very well captured in there, but it's like still like, we're never really on the main strip. Like you're not going to see right. treasure Island. It's yeah. we're in that like scummy off strip area, which is, the place to be it yeah. is if you ask me it's, but. Def- it's definitely but. more fun down there and that was part of like in the writing process i mean what was it years ago i was doing a little uh, a little commercial shoot and we were in laughlin nevada which is like it's like a little baby baby uh like stepbrother to uh vegas that they seem to just have forgotten about in about 1992 <laughs> and it's it's a fascinating place. And I was there and just like, we were staying in one of the casino hotels and just got this vibe of like this place that's like trying to sparkle and be this like beacon of light, but it's just depressing and it's, it's failing at it. And so that was, I fell in love with that kind of a mood. So when I wrote this, I had that mood in mind. And then in the location scouting, like, I mean, Michael Caradon and I, I mean, we made, I don't even know how many trips. It was like seven or eight trips to Vegas over the course of about a year, just, building relationships, trying to find a casino that would let us shoot there for, you know, a couple shiny nickels that we had to offer. <laughs> uh, 
you know, we just, I mean, a lot of those places, they'd be like 10 grand an hour or something or, you know, Damn. that sort of thing. I'm just like, how about that for a week? How's that sound? Yeah. <laughs> um, and just, you know, Del Cortez ended up working with us and allowing us really incredible access to the place. I mean, that suite that Victoria's staying at was uh, a guy, oh God, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. He owned like five casinos back in like the heyday of Vegas. That was his penthouse and it hasn't changed since he lived there. Wow. Whoa. They let us like shooting there. I mean, all the stuff on the floor and the lounges, uh, you know, they just gave us this great access and, uh, you know, it, yeah, it was, just, I love that vibe and just that vibe of a place that like has this artifice of just energy and life. And yet the whole purpose is to extract the, you know, financial life force from everyone that comes through the door. And so you see these, like these people. And so, you know, just at some symbolic level, it's like this, this entire town that's based around not much different than what these vampires do. Right. Oh yeah, that's true. When um, now I'm gonna forget the character's name, but the the sister, uh, oh, when she Victoria. talks about the village that they live in, the way that she describes it, sounds like the way a high-ranking Vegas guy would describe just like the people coming in and out. And she's like, oh yeah, there's which that was a that was a great and chilling touch. Anytime she's like, oh there's refugees, it's like a buffet, and that is very you know, Vegas is a buffet town, but like yeah. you know, not only do you eat at buffets, but in a lot of ways, like you said, you are the buffet. And yeah, um, yeah it, that is very true. Vegas does have that vampiric uh, uh, consumption uh, schedule that they yes. enact on everybody, you know. Yeah, and it was it was a fun place to shoot. I mean, we shot it in August, which sucked because it was like 115 oh, degrees holy. at night. Yeah, but it's a dry yeah. heat, though, right? A dry. Heat. <laughs> Not when you're stuck in a uh, Prius with uh, Vanya and three other actors, and you have to have the air conditioning off for sound. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> that's a nightmare. Uh, my poor buddy Adeshola, he was monitoring uh, image and sound, and he had to be in the trunk because, again, small budget. We didn't exactly have wireless uh, rigs oh. or anything. So, he, and he's like, he's like a couple inches taller than me, and he's crammed it in the trunk of the Prius with duvetine over him, so don't get reflection of the monitor in the back window. And it's probably like 150 degrees for him back there, and he's scrunched up a little ball. Oh my God. You know, though, and because of all he's the quiet, to if be we in stop him, we just forget he was there. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I would like to just, I, I mean, I don't really have anything to ask about it, but I just want to bring it up. The scene in the bar uh, somewhere off the freeway. Yes. Uh, that is hands down my favorite scene in the whole movie. Yeah. Um, I think it brings home a lot of the thematic concerns, especially in the way that the air quotes classy sister that does things on the up and up can immediately just go right back into the hunt because she clearly enjoys it. Um, I love just the towny style of this bar, but more so than anything else. And it feels like I love tales from the crypt and it's such a tales from the crypty kind of thing to have two vampires shooting the shit over mugs of blood. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, that, that's one of the, that scene is the thing that I'm going to look back on the most. Oh, that warms my heart. Cause that one, that's a scene that if I was to say I had a really indulgent scene in the film, mm-hmm. that's the one. Cause it's a long dialogue scene. Uh, but when I wrote it, I just, I had fun writing. Like just, it's, it, it's the, it really is the main world building scene. Cause you yes. do get some of their history, a lot more of like really who they are. And like a lot of stuff you've seen through the film, 
now you see it through that context and it sort of changes mm. the perspective of a lot of it. But it was a really indulgent one because it is a pretty long dialogue scene. But again, I was so fortunate with Vanya and Nika. It's the one scene I've seen it a thousand times. I edited the thing, I did the sound design. Like, you know, it's I've seen this film way too much. It's the one scene I still can just watch and just love it from beginning to end. Like, I just right love on. it. It rips. It totally rips. Yeah. I, I, it's I mean, the perfect like mix of everything in this movie. It has the the thoughtful dialogue where characters built. It it has the crazy hyper violence, and a lot of scenes have sort of an air of mystery to them. Where it's not until they're over that you realize where they were going. Um, you know, even in the the cab scene when you know they just like they experience Garrett and I. But like even in that one there. There was a point where I'm like, are they just buying these guys shots to be cool? Are they, is, should I? Am I still? Am I? Am I being like Stockholm syndrome here? And uh, <laughs> but no, and then you know it, it unfolds as it unfolds. But I, I don't know. It just feels like a really complete scene. Like if that scene in and of itself was just was was a short film that was just that scene exactly as it is. I think it could be perfectly self-contained. Nice. You know, there's so much story and so much you know, reverse exposition being told that you don't even need the rest of the movie around it for that to work. Um, with the rest of the movie around it, it's infinitely better, but, it, oh man, it's just, that is oh, exquisite. Thank you. I love that it. Is, <laughs> that is absolutely the scene that basically made this, like, took this movie from, like, yeah, this is, like, really interesting and cool to, like, I, I like, I'm genuinely, I've, like, fallen in love with these characters. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think it's the scene where the movie really tips into, like, you, I just at that point it's firing on all cylinders. I know exactly like what we're doing, why we're here, like the journey I'm following these characters through. It's it, it really, yeah. I I I, I hear you on the self indulgent thing, but I, I it's uh it it is one of those indulgences that I think sort of uh makes the movie. And, and I don't is, think horror should exist without a little indulgence. I just, true. I can't, I, I can't abide by a horror movie that's just like, well, we'll do it as safe as possible. Fuck that. <laughs> Drink a mug of blood. Come on. Well, <laughs> that's what we're here. And, and my justification was literally like, I'm like, we're three quarters of the way through the film or at least two thirds. Like if, if they don't, if I haven't earned a little bit of indulgence by this point, I just failed. So <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that, but sure. I'm glad yeah. you felt that way. Cause the scene it's, just the right level of indulgence okay. too. Like it could have gone splatter territory and then yeah. that wouldn't work, yeah. but it's still effective. And, and that's another thing. All of the death in this movie has weight. Mm-hmm. And that is a, an yeah. extreme rarity, even within the genre. And I think this one here is, is we don't know these guys well enough that their death has as much weight as say the cab driver. But at the same time, they're, you know, they're developed in such a way, like the guy saying, Hey, I don't want that shot. You know, things like yeah. that. Those tensions exist to the point that, like, you know, you sense the loss, even though these are just like a bunch of townie drunks. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that indulgence works. It doesn't go into splatter territory. It stays on brand with the film, but serves a gorehound like me in, in the sense of what I come to expect from vampires being in a movie. Yeah, it definitely escalates a little bit of the, the, the gore in it for just that little fraction of a second where it's like, oh, wow, they're like, she's really brutal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. It really speaks to the like the hypnotic nature of Jura because uh, he's able to convince this convince I'm saying again with air quotes, convince his sister to do this awful thing that she seems to have evolved beyond, but maybe not. 
and it just, I don't know, it speaks to both of their characters without either of them outright being like, ooh, I kind of feel like killing, you know? It, uh, <laughs> it works. It's very organic. Well, and it also, I mean, there's um, there's something very interesting about their relationship, too, where, you know, if we're going back to talking about this in the context of, um, you know, uh, Yuri as a man having to, like, come to terms with or take responsibility for some of his actions, um, you know, um, one of the things that the scene reveals is that, like, he's got family that has protected him as well. And, and like, we'll continue. Yeah, we're cutting you off. That kind of shocked me. Yeah. Because uh, I was and, like, oh, I guess he's just robbing people. And it was like, oh, no, he's a fucking trust fund vampire. Exactly. <laughs> well, and you also get the impression that, like, he's been told he's going to be cut off many times before. And he knows yeah. he can play puppy dog with wounded leg. And they'll allow him to crawl back. You know, it's like... It, there, there's yeah. some very, very interesting. I think that scene is just very revealing uh, of Yuri, and also gives us this amazing other character. It's not like it's her only scene in the movie, but it, it is her time to shine. Uh, 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 Nika uh, yeah. Katrova, is that what you said her name? Katrova, yeah. Um, she's like wonderful in this. I think her role is so interesting. I love the way that you stylized her. Um, yeah, great hair. She has the the yeah. sort of uh, what would you say like lesbian new wave glampire thing going on, yes. which is totally a thing that exists <laughs> in movies. And I love that it's a thing that you could point to and be like, yes, there's like four movies about that character. You know what I mean? And, like, they're, and yeah. they're all made by Verhoeven, so good work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I, I really, I think she like really stands out in that scene and it's just, yeah, I, that, that scene. And I think that independent film is one of the places where these kind of indulgences wouldn't exist actually, uh, in, in a movie with a, a larger budget or made by a studio, right? Like the, yeah. those kind of indulgences would be stripped from the movie. And in a lot of cases, maybe for the better, but I, I think that, um, there is something, you know, that that's, uh, that's where a lot of artistry comes through, I think, in some of those those indulgent moments. And, uh, you, you know, to me, that that scene really is makes the movie. It's it's the glue that holds it together. You know, thank you. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, we had we had a lot of fun. I mean, they drank so much of that. The the fake blood on the night, they were a little ill. And I think <laughs> poor Vanya went through two packs of cigarettes during that night. Oh, my God. So I mean, every, like everybody was like they were both just like wrecked by the end of that. So literally the dialogue scene was an entire night. Uh, yeah. Of filming, and we had two nights in that location, so we did all the other stuff in one night as well, uh, which was a little intense. But uh, um, yeah, and uh, with with Nika as the Victoria character, and we just had so much fun putting that character together. On just a, she did so much of the personality. Like I, I when I saw that that crazy jacket she's wearing that scene, like I saw that at a, uh, I actually found that at a Goodwill uh, here in Los Angeles, and I just looked at him like, yeah. Yeah, this is, this is coming in. I sent her a picture of it, and she was like, I don't know. It looks like too much. I'm like, I'm bringing it over. You're trying it on. And as soon as she had it on, it was just like, oh, this is Victoria. It's like, yeah. oh, I feel like a vampire. Yeah. The, um, uh, I wanted to ask about the soundtrack because I left my Shazam running, and oh, multiple cool. times a band came up called Snakes. Yes. And so I have been listening to Snakes nice. all day today. Uh, is it, can you tell me great? about them? They're fantastic, really fantastic. Yeah. And it's like that kind of like twangy, bluesy, crunchy rock that just is my jam, always has yeah. been. Uh, I've never heard of them. Where did you uh, find them? It's George Cessna's band. George Cessna also has a, I have one of his solo songs in there. And mm -hmm. I literally just found his stuff on Bandcamp a few years ago. Um, nice. I love, like, I just go, 
I used to be that person that go through like the bargain bins at CD stores and just see what was in there and buy like 20 CDs for like $3 and then just find like nine out of 10 were trash. But every now and then you find a gem. Yep. So that's how I got into Jonathan Richmond. Is that? That's how how I got into Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers. Nice. I got them at at like a $2 grab a stack of CDs at Tunes thing. I listen to them all the time. And it's just there's so much talent out there that just never gets discovered. And so like he he's one that like he's done phenomenal stuff. And then also found out because it was like the name rang a bell. But I'm like, I'm just thinking of the airplane. And then uh, do you know uh, David Eugene Edwards from uh, 16 Horsepower or Woven Hand? No. Uh, another mm-hmm. like kind of country rock, but like on a whole different level. He was in a band called the Denver Gentlemen. And he was in that with uh, George Cessna's father. So even though George Cessna is young and his band Snakes, like they're all young dudes. Like you're talking about a guy who basically grew up in like a country Western mm. home. Nice. So that's like that. He's, he sounds like he's pulling from like the Jimmy Rogers era, like that mm-hmm. old era of country, but really updating it. Yeah. Phenomenal musician. It, uh, it's fantastic. I've been listening to it all day and I'm going to look up Denver gentlemen, just cause that's the best band name I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> they're fun. They've got like almost like a cabaret country vibe to them. Oh, cool. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, they're a fun I, one. I genuinely thought it was an original score because, uh, I mean, uh, so it's all the same artist. That makes sense because it, you know, it has a sort of distinctive oh, sound. That's only like two songs in it are uh, snakes. Okay. Um, I found yeah, like, there's P Lion was in there. Who's that? Pete was it P Lion and Cell? Those are two other ones that came up on my Shazam. Who those are? <laughs> I mean, Shazam's not always to be trusted. Yeah. I mean, all the artists were ones I basically either found through uh, Bandcamp or there was one uh, song that was done uh, by Liberty Phoenix, who's of the you know infamous uh, the Phoenix family. And um, I had met her, uh, did a fun little shoot actually with uh, with them and uh, um, was just talking about the film. And she offered to write. So she she's the, what an original song for, which is really cool. That's cool. Um and then, yeah, I had that uh, Paladine, which is another band. You should totally check out Female Singer. Uh, and it's like it's like if uh, Joan Jett had like a cowboy country band. Okay, that sounds uh, very into that. Uh, what was the Paladine, name of pa- right? Paladine? Uh, and so, yeah, I was I mean, finding the music for it. Some of it was just bands I loved. And because they're on Bandcamp and they're small, like they were just happy to yeah. have it in there. And I, you know, I paid a fraction of what licensing costs should normally be yeah um, so i gotta know did you try to get a rob zombie or did you not even think to get a rob zombie the only one i tried to do is uh i wanted to have uh and paladine actually recorded it it's on their band campaign is it, they is it this paladine uh no uh no. i pal o dine with an e at the end okay pal o dine got it yeah they did Bam. a cover oh, right. of bell lugosi's dead for me Oh. I mean, not for me. I brought it up, and they just went out and did it. That's cool. And I just couldn't get the I couldn't get the rights to yeah. Bill Lugosi's Dead, but I wanted to do that as both a tribute to uh, to the Hunger with uh, Bowie, yes. and, and you know, also just because I love that song. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah that's on rips. I gotta I, watch I, The Hunger. That's been on my list forever. I knew that the Victoria character must have like a little bit like come from a love of that movie. I I I, I knew it. Yeah. Are you familiar with Habit at all, the Fessenden vampire movie? No, uh-uh. I, it sort of does a similar thing with the idea of, of uh, like, 
it's sort of similar to the idea of this guy getting getting these dudes drunk before drinking their blood, but less in terms of like booze and blood, and it more tries to relate the onset of turning into a vampire with oh, the nice. onset of alcoholism and codependency. And, oh, that sounds um, cool. It's really cool. It's Larry Fessenden. He made it. He did like Wendigo and No Telling and a bunch of other stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's just a it's a kind of a brooding little very low budget uh, vampire movie. But there was shades of it here, and I I was curious if maybe you'd seen yeah, it. But definitely check if it not, out. Definitely check it out. It's cool. It's the only part that really deals with the idea of like the the vampire turning is obviously the guy in the that's uh, tied up to the wheelchair, and then of course the Raymond character at the very end. Mm -hmm. That was a great uh, laugh, too, when he's like, I, he had, like, two days left. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah. It's like when the waiter, like, takes your drink away before you were actually done. Yeah. It's like, no, no, I'm, I'm still, okay. I'm still sipping on that. Like Come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and that location had all the taxidermy in it. Like oh, I just really? Really? That location had all that taxidermy in it. They actually had so That's much, insane. I removed some of the taxidermy. <laughs> I mean, that's how taxidermy stuff typically is. There's usually a little too much. Yeah. If someone's got a deer head, it's like, okay, that's neat. You're a restaurant. But like when <laughs> someone has like more than one, it's usually more than 30. And it's like, okay, I get it. Yeah. I get it. And it you like amazing. stuffed animals. Most have been left out in the desert outside the house. It was like all sun bleached from the desert and stuff oh, like that. It was man. like really, some was extra creepy looking, but um, I yeah, mean, it was like a phenomenal spot. Yeah, that's amazing location scouting to like not have to dress your, you know, to have your set not need to be dressed that it's exactly like what it needs to be for that scene. You know, it's like, yeah, it was it was actually because I'd written it. It's not I'm not overt in the script. But I written like he's obviously squatting in this place like this isn't his home. Yeah. And I just I'd assumed it was like an elderly couple that lived there. Uh, and when I was writing it and so we found the place was actually it was an elderly couple that had it they were actually moving out uh, at the time. And so a lot of their stuff wasn't there, but the stuff that they weren't going to be bringing with was still there. And then, yeah, just a goodwill run to populate it with a little bit more trinkets and stuff yeah. like that. And that, that place was pretty much turnkey location. That's, That's incredible. I love yeah. that you sourced a lot out of goodwill. Oh yeah. That's the way to go. Goodwill's awesome for set yeah, design, for so costumes. It's so good. Dude, I, nice. I, I just want to reiterate how impressed I was with like that aspect of the movie. I, I'm like, honestly, even more impressed to hear that you also were doing those things in addition to, you know, all of your other roles on the movie. Because it, it, it is like, I really think the world building is pretty, for, for what a small movie it is, the world building is really great. And, you know, is sold a lot on things like the costumes and the locations and the and what set design you're bringing there. It, it, it's really impressive. Thank you. I mean, it was I was I was nervous because like being being a writer, director, DP is already enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, then you throw on top production design, costume design. Uh, and because it's a small production, a few other pretty essential hats uh, on it. It was like this is good. definitely pushing myself to the limit of what I'm capable of. But yeah. one, I had a phenomenal team supporting me, like just people I've met over the years that like I'd meet them on a commercial job or on whatever. And it's like, this is something I need to keep in my life. Yeah. Um, and so when they all came together, a lot of them didn't know each other, but they came together. They became like a family and still are like, we're all still very close. Um, but they were so amazing for it. But then also I did, I, it's the only film I've ever done that I storyboarded beginning to end shot listed storyboarded. 
and had a production Bible with every single scene in it broken down for pages of like every asset needed for it. Because mm-hmm. I knew I would, like day one, I would forget which end was up. <laughs> and I just had to have it all laid out. Even just stuff like why I chose a shot the way I did. Because like when you're in that moment, you're just like, wait, why did I want to go close up here? What would that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I really made sure like it was all laid out. So that when I, because even the way it's shot, I don't know if you noticed, but there's in the whole movie, there's only four establishing shots. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to have, you know, it was already had an episodic vibe. I wanted to have a continuous flow and I wanted it to feel like you're, you know, you're weaving between Daria and Yure's worlds. Like they're only in two scenes together at the beginning and the end. And the rest of the time, it's how those worlds are interconnected and how the stories are interconnected. And so how shots from one lead into the next uh, or mirror each other um, and trying to keep all that in my head. Like I was just spent a long time just really making sure it was all laid out. So when we got there, I knew it was going on, but also the team that I had with me knew what was going on. They knew on this day, this is why we're doing this. This is what's happening there. So somehow we pulled it off. I send you, I have a making of a video I'll send you. It's like, Ooh, that'd be days. great. Yeah. It's a fun Did one. you find at any point that you, that you deviated from this production Bible, you know, in the name of like inspiration? Oh yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah, in fact, it was the first film I've ever, first narrative I've shot. Um, I totally did a buddy's short film like two weeks before that. And I did one of my short films years ago, but I don't count it because I did a terrible job on it. Um, But I was spoiled, like a little bit of name dropping here. But I mean, I grew up with uh, the cinematographer, Jaron Blaschke, who did, uh, you know, The Witch and The Lighthouse, something like that. Oh, wow, yeah. So he shot my last film. He shot all my narrative stuff over the years. Well, he was making a little movie called The Lighthouse when I was doing this. Um, so for some reason he couldn't come and do a no budget movie <laughs> with me. <laughs> you know, oh, he's busy winning Oscar or getting nominated for Oscars. Um, I literally bought the Blu-ray of The Lighthouse like an hour before we started recording. Oh, cool. it. <laughs> that, awesome. Uh, that movie My was. My prime runs out tomorrow. Oh, yeah. That movie's like perfection. Yeah, I compliments so to your friend. The, I mean, it's also a gorgeous movie. It, yeah. He's, I mean, I've been saying for years that he's, the most talented person I'll ever, ever have the privilege of working with, but it's nice to see the world finally realizing and him having the opportunity to do it. Yeah. And I have to say like his and Eggers next film, like they just wrapped shooting it. Oh, it's, I mean, I haven't seen it. I've only, he's, I've seen a little bit of what he's gotten to share with me, but what they've accomplished with this one, it's going to be mind bending. I'm, I'm Sweet. very excited about this. Oh movie. My God. Yeah. Yeah. It's Sweet. like, well, I mean, some of the stuff, I'm, I mean, I won't give, I, some of it I won't say, and this is for him to talk about, but I mean, some of the stuff he did as a cinematographer is shit that no one has been able to figure out yet. And he's like, to be able to figure out how to shoot something in film that literally has never been done without CGI. He's like, he, he had my mind like broken one night trying to explain what he was doing. I'm just like, how, and he was showing me the screen, the screen test. I'm like, I don't know how how the hell you figured this out, but like which which like, <laughs> yeah. yeah he totally is, yeah. um, and That's yeah you're shooting at an 80 ISO for some of the night stuff. So I mean the amount of light they needed to have to accomplish it's just like the stuff that they were doing on this is just mind bending. So I'm oh, I'm wait. ecstatic about it. But anyways, he was busy with that stuff, so he didn't have time for my little film. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was my first time shooting one, and yeah, so. Going back to that, like, I loved it uh, because 
I felt like it was almost like being in a band with the actors and we're just jamming and you would find shit with that where you're just like, oh, this like going in. I mean, there was one, it's a small one, but with uh, Daria and Raymond when, uh, you know, he's kind of wanting to check her out because there's some things that aren't right about her. And she leaves and she goes into the kitchen and then he gets up and joins her and they have that embrace. And you could, it's like it's a very pivotal moment for those two characters. I had that whole scene shot list of how I wanted to do it. We had a last minute location scene for her apartment. So we're kind of figuring it out. And while we're in there, like kind of blocking it and figuring out the scene, I was just like looking through the camera and I just came upon that frame of them when they were hugging there with behind her shoulders, the refrigerator where she keeps her blood bags and the cooler where she you know, carries them away. And then behind him is this dark hallway of unknown. And I'm just like, this scene literally symbolize, this one shot symbolizes their entire narrative. <laughs> and I literally just found it on the fly. That's, That's so incredible. That's like, uh, oops, thematic density. <laughs> exactly. What are you gonna do? That's yeah, so cool. It was, Plenty of that. Like I love, and it, it just helps keep it alive when you allow the actors to really like, you know, be on on the fly, improv. I mean, you know, for both Gabby and Vanya, English isn't their first language. Uh, I mean, tell me for Nika also, because she was born in Moscow, but she grew up in London. So, uh, you know, for her, it's her second language, but she has a mastery of it. Uh, but for Vanya and Gabby, it's not their first, and so. The way I write some, it's a little too flowery or whatever. So it's like for Vanya, it's like make it your own. Yeah. And he, some of his improv is some of my favorite moments in it. Uh, and same with Gabby. Like you know, Gabby's a little much more subtle actor, which really works for her role as Daria. Um, but yeah, letting letting them kind of find those ways, and then with myself as the director DP, I would just make sure that as the camera operator, I was following and doing that right so that you know, it gave them that chance to really explore it and do what they needed to do. So I love that. I love that, that kind of the, you know, almost the uh, old Bob Ross happy accidents uh, uh -huh. approach mm -hmm. to filmmaking. Yeah, Cause yeah, I've, I've talked to filmmakers that, that some of them are like, no, 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 you know, the, the script is law, the shooting script is what we're doing, storyboarded, done. And I've talked to, you know, directors like yourself that it's like, now nah, we let it flow. And I've seen both methods be very successful and very very shitty and so it's it's i guess there's really no answer as to what's right but i guess that yeah, really there's... speaks to the the you know the family element of your team yeah it it is and for me like it all comes down to does it feel alive does it feel real and believable even if it's a vampire movie uh if it doesn't if you don't i always feel like if if it doesn't feel if the audience is aware that these are fictional creations while they're watching the movie, then I have failed. Um, I want it to feel like you're in a real world when you're watching it. I mean, and not some construct of my imagination. Uh, so yeah, so that's that's why I like to let it be alive because in those moments when an actor, is dis when an actor discovers something or even small little details, like my Prius, uh, the headlight kept going out and so I was like, I actually love the idea of the uh, the the share the ride share having one light out, and so I have two tickets for having a dead headlight, but I kept it that way because I wanted to have the ride share have one light out, so that when he's like circling around, you just see this car in the distance with one headlight. Like, ah, shit, here he comes. <laughs> the thing, the things we do for art, it's yeah. amazing. <laughs> My Prius still has blood stains on the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's funny. So you're not uh, going to become an Uber driver anytime soon is really the... No, not with that car. Yeah. Not with that car. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Jeff, if I got into an Uber and it was like covered in blood, and I was like, uh, "What is this?" And the driver's like, "No, I swear, I make movies." I'd be like, "Pull over, man, let me out," because I just don't buy it. Yeah, yeah, it's not good for my dating life either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I have one. You small... want to be in a movie? I make movies. Yeah. <laughs> Never say you want to be a model or you want to be in a movie it's, in a dating. It's already scenario. hard it's enough to idea. get a date in the back seat, and then when there's yeah. blood stains all over, it's even harder. Yeah, so... tough to do. <laughs> and a Prius is not a sexy car to begin with, so. No. You know. <laughs> uh, I like a Prius, though. You know, I don't have a car, but so who am I? But still. Yeah, what They're was functional? Uh... What was uh, John Del Calo's joke? Uh, look, I don't want to tell you a sob story, but uh, my sob broke down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John Del Calo. I miss yeah, him. The best. Yeah. Um, he's still alive to anyone who's yeah, listening. It's not me saying that he's dead. I just <laughs> haven't seen him in a while. Um, it... uh, Jeff, I had one more like small process question. I'm just always curious sure. about this. What was like the shooting schedule like? Like, How many days were you, were you shooting? Was yeah. it tight, long? Like. Um, initially Michael did the normal, like, oh, we'll do it. It's an indie. We'll do it in 14 days. I'm like, no, that's not going to happen. Like we have more than like, uh, we ended up by the end, it was 28 days. Okay. Uh, and we literally, we got a house uh, that we all stayed in, in Vegas, uh, the, the, uh, entire crew and then Vanya and, and, uh, Gabby. And of course, Nika was all, Nika was not only an like, amazing actress, in it, but she was also the production coordinator and was kind of like my right-hand person in terms of keeping track of props and wardrobe and so much more. She kind of became the house mom. Like, we all stayed there. It was very cult-like. We were just like this family living in there, and we'd go off and make a film all night, come back. The neighbors thought we were insane, so we'd yep. come back at like 8 or 9 in the morning and be out by the pool drinking and partying for three hours, <laughs> then go to sleep, and then get back up when it got dark and go back. Um, oh, yeah, I guess it's uh, it's it's all nighttime, see that? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. You have to be vampires, essentially. Oh, Totally were, which myself and Jeff Black, who did the original score, like we are vampires by nature. Like we just <laughs> like daylight creeps us out. Uh, and he's also a G off, so it gets confusing. But yeah, he's a good friend who also a phenomenal musician who did the original score. A lot of the electronics and the banjo and lap steel. OK, and yeah, that stuff is phenomenal, by the way. I loved the score for this movie. Yeah, really, really great. It, it was like we had fun like i mean because i had the idea and like i kind of want it to be like these pulsing sparkling synths but with like the old western like because it's kind of like their two worlds it's uh you know daria's world of like the vegas sparkling lights and but it's got this cold detachment to it and then vanya's this really rootsy mm -hmm. uh old school sort of thing and so blending those two worlds together um yeah it was it was fun uh developing that whole score that's cool uh, but then, yeah, so we had the house and it was, uh, we were there, we were in Vegas for about a month. Uh, we would drive down to Laughlin for the days that we shot in Laughlin. Like the movie theater scene is in Laughlin. The river uh, run mm -hmm. uh, is Laughlin because Vegas doesn't have a river. Uh, and um, what else? There was one other thing. Oh, yeah, a lot of the ones that were driving through the desert, those were in Laughlin because I just liked the roads and driving down there better. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but yeah, so we did it all there, and then we had about, uh, so that was 24 days, and we did four days in uh, in L.A., so the hospital scene, uh, both the interiors and exteriors are L.A., uh, the hotel room where uh, the character Mike gets uh, killed by Daria, mm -hmm. that was a L.A. hotel room, and uh, 
uh, what else? Oh, the restaurant at the date night that she has is uh, L.A. Mm-hmm. And the apartments that she picks up the kids and the kids that are in it, those are uh, in L.A. as well. And uh, was your schedule like all pretty contained or was yeah. it uh, spread? OK, yeah. Yeah, it was like we did that all uh, over about a six week period. Okay. It was like one day we had to delay the date. The scene with the kids, uh, we had to do that one. Like it was like two weeks after we had wrapped all the other stuff. We did the stuff with the kids. OK, so. I don't, for some oh, reason, that's... I'm always curious about schedules on small movies because it, oh, yeah. it's it's another thing that seems to like kind of vacillate wildly. Like some movies get made in four days and you're like, I, I just don't understand. And other movies, you know, they make it takes them two years uh, just, you know, because totally. they can only do like week long pockets or whatever. And, you know, so. And there was a chance it was going to be like that. But um, it was just one where uh, I mean, we had I, uh, my uh, distributors of my first film, they came on early on. It was like investors on this one, so they put a decent chunk in. I had another investor on it, and then I just, I live very modestly, considering like, you know, every now and then I do a commercial and stuff like that, but I just put it all into savings, and I'm like, put it into my own films and my own, you know, or cameras or lenses or whatever. And so, like, I had a saving, I had saved up a chunk for it. Well, then about a month before the second distributor we had dropped out, and so literally just became like, that's when it was like, well, maybe we just do like as much as we can and then figure out like investment for the rest. Mm-hmm. And like at that point, like, we'd already paid for some locations, had a cast, like the momentum was going. And so I was just like, you know what? I don't need a life savings or retirement. Just funnel it all in there. <laughs> and uh, so we literally just did that on it. And just to be able to do it, because it's like once you have that momentum going to get it back up and it's a huge cast. Um, so many different locations to try and wrangle that all up again would have just been a nightmare. So we just like, we got to do it all in one shot and, uh, very impressive. I just hope it works. I mean, it's like all of that paid off. I, you know, this, to me, this is like one of those, I don't know, you get like a screener and you're like, I, well, let's see. And it just, this feels like a, it's a 50, 50, anytime a screener comes through. Yeah. And, uh, this is one of those just like very, uh, I don't, I don't know how to say this without kind of sounding insulted, but like very complete movies that feels like a great calling card for like a new voice. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 it I really liked this. Thank you. Yeah. It yeah. Was kind of, it was, thank you. Uh, yeah. Frey was one. I'm super proud of Frey and it was very much, it is what it is. And it's, you know, people seem to have liked it and it was important for its time. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's still relevant because our wars don't end. Right. But, um, with this one, like it was really like this is this was me making the type of film I would want to watch, and so right, I'm glad right. I'm not a crazy person that other people actually like it too. <laughs> you might still be a crazy person. It's just oh. there's there's more of us around. Yeah, true. That and that's I definitely am. <laughs> um, yeah, that's wild that you went from potentially 14 days to 28, because everyone yeah. I know that has ever made a movie is like, well, we wanted 50 days, but they gave us three. You know, like it goes, <laughs> it usually goes the other way. And part of that was because, like, we stripped down the crew so much. I mean, it was literally, like, you know, I already listed off a lot of the hats I was wearing on it. Uh, Jeff Black, who was the composer, was also my sound man on it. Oh, wow. Um, Adishola, who, close friend, also roommate, he was camera, lights, all that. My buddy Steve came in, was uh, boom up and helped with props and PA and type of stuff. Sarah, who plays the girl in the car in the rideshare uh, scene, you know, she's in that scene. She stuck around for the whole month and ended up, she was doing like script supervising. Uh, wow. She was helping with props and costumes, stuff like that. 
Nika, who plays Victoria, was our production coordinator. It was in charge of, like, you know, making sure people showed up on time, stuff like that. Uh, so it was a, uh, and then Alethea did all the hair and makeup, including prosthetics and special effects. Wow. Um, so just a super tight, and that was the, and then Michael, the producer, um, that was our entire team for that whole shoot. And so, like I said, I'll share with you the behind the scenes, like he's like that last scene where we're shooting like Vanya going down Main Street in Vegas and the cop cars. Like there's just like a handful is running around. I've got the camera like right here operating. And I mean, it, it looks like we're making a student film from the outside. But then fortunately, what we got on camera, like just knowing how to make what ends up on camera and not look like a no budget indie. Like I wanted to make sure it actually felt like you know, if it, if it's going to be out there, like the audience doesn't care that it was no budget. So right. I didn't want it to be something that the audience had to suffer for the fact that we had no budget. <laughs> Genuinely, so. it feels like uh, one of those movies that, uh, and you know, th this is dating me a little bit, but like, you know, you find in the VHS rental store, not really, you know, none of that information, you know, it is just yeah. another tape on the shelf and, uh, you know, it just like totally works. And you, you know, years later you find out like, Oh, they made that with $10. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this was definitely one. I mean, it wasn't like a nothing budget. It's not a story of like, you know, Primer or like right. early Rodriguez talking about how I made it for, you know, 50 cents or whatever it was. Yeah. We had, you know, we had uh, uh, an amount of money that, uh, you know, most people would be like, oh, that's a lot of money uh, right. in terms of like, you know, I could buy a car and uh, and, a, and a few other things with that type of thing. But in yeah. turn, so it's not like it was, you know, that scratching club, but it definitely was you know, maybe like the catering budget for an A24 film or something. Yeah, like that. Right. <laughs> but we have a friend who's currently uh, in production or in like just about to start production for a movie. And he always shares with us, you know, little details and things like that and even financials. And he lists these sums of money that is more than I will ever hold in my hand and likely in my yeah. bank account. But in terms of a movie, it's like that's that that's gone in in two days you know it's yeah, yeah. it's really fascinating it to hear the numbers i so. mean jaron was talking about on on this one uh his camera test for this new film that he and robert uh just did he said his camera tests were bigger than any budget of any film he'd shot before oh, that's um, wild. Do, like film camera tests or you know what was it they had a false negative uh COVID or false positive COVID test and had to shut down it was like, like 250 thousand dollars for the day oh my just god lost. that's insane like, like just the amounts of money are just obscene yeah. uh yeah. that go into these films but then you know some of these films also then make obscene amount yeah, of oh money. yeah um, there's just so many moving pieces mm -hmm. to to making yeah. a movie there's just so many moving pieces and like oh. i've only been adjacent to productions i've mm -hmm. really only ever worked on like two or three and it, it is and my day job i work in logistics and okay. so watching, you know, like macro level logistical things, it, it what you do feels impossible to me. It truly <laughs> is movie magic. And they, I think it takes a passion. And so, yeah, yeah it is just, I don't I know mean, how you do it. I, I, uh, I did another film. Uh, it was one I was hired to do, but I did another film shoot recently. And one of the PAs on it was like, you know, he felt like really inspired by like what we were able to accomplish with a small budget and all sort of stuff. And he's like, you know, it makes me really want to, you know, he goes, I was always on the fence about whether I wanted to do it. And I was like, I don't know if I feel good or bad about inspiring you because this is a shitty, shitty industry and it will rip <laughs> you apart. Yeah, you got to be. That's why I see. I, I'm a writer. 
That way there's no budget, and then I just yes. give it to somebody else to make. Yeah. Totally. That's, that's it. It's brutal. I mean, I Jeff Black, the musician, like he hadn't been on a film. I mean, he's toured the world with bands, and he's been a, a tour manager and stuff like that, so he knows organization, knows all that. And even he was just like, he's like, the name of your movie is more fitting for the process than it is for the actual <laughs> movie itself. Yeah. That's so funny. funny. That is a great name, too, because I love the idea of, you know, impossible to get water from stone and all that, but it's vampires, so blood from stone. Blood from stone. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking love it. Yeah. 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 Dude, thank you very much for, like, all your time here tonight and uh, uh, chatting with us about this. I, I, it got lost in the shuffle, but I have to ask, you mentioned everybody getting a bellyache from drinking all the, the fake blood. May I ask what that was made out of? Yes. So we had three different recipes. One was uh, uh, the main one that we had was was uh, founded on a YouTube video and it was brilliant. Uh, it was red velvet cake mix with coffee grounds to darken it, like just full just coffee grounds uh-huh. and water. And you do that and it's the, the color. You might need to put a little food color in it to get it just a little bit better. But it's great because it doesn't have that ultra smooth vibe of like a fake blood. Like it looks like, okay, they, there's like a little bit of chunkies from the flesh and stuff in this yeah, blood. Yeah, I like the that. fact uh-huh. that it was kind of brown actually yeah. upset me a little bit in, in my belly, which is good. Yeah. Because it, it, I've never seen blood and mass like that. But in my head, I feel like it browns a little. Yeah, it, it, that's, I mean, not that I've done experiments, but, um, <laughs> you know, I haven't done bloodletting just to see what happens. But, you know, looking at photos and stuff like that to, you know, again, trying to make it authentic. Um, you know, it, it's like when it first comes out, like, you know, anyone that's had like a bloody nose or a bad cut, like knows how it looks when it first comes out. But after it's been sitting there a while, it gets a little funky looking. And so I wanted, we had that one. And, it was great because, like, you would for the actress because I could taste it good. It tastes like red velvet, but then you get the caffeine yeah. and coffee, so you could go all night. <laughs> That's good true. Stuff. But we also we did some with uh, uh, that night because we ran ran out of the frosting stuff. We had to do a last minute concoction where we went to nearby Seven Eleven, and nearby from that place was like an hour and a half away. Because uh, and it was also like three in the morning, so yeah. we found Seven yeah. Eleven, and it was like margarita mix with a few other things thrown in and that's the one that was just like the sodium and oh, just, yeah. you know, drinking red velvet all night now you've gone on to like tomato juice with like you know just a ridiculous amount of sodium and it was just nasty very vile oh yeah so Boy, that sounds bad especially, especially after with a belly full of cake coffee i yeah. was just gonna say you've already <laughs> got the sugar caffeine going on in the belly and then yeah oh boy but the red velvet's cool too because it doesn't stain uh it's not like oh. like a lot of fake bloods will stain and stuff like that so it doesn't stain it's really cheap i mean we'd make like a jug of it every night uh because vanya every time he was shooting poor guy would just be doused in blood half the time yeah yeah um I mean, Alethea would joke, she's like, when I, the first night, like, we were doing makeup, I was being really careful. By the second night, I would just put on a rubber glove, slap it in the blood bin, and just smack it on him a few times, and he was ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it always looked great. I love the image of him coming into the uh, liquor store late at night looking for the stuff from the old world, which is a yeah. great refrain, by the way. Like, oh, yeah, it's from the old world. But him just walking in completely covered in blood as if it's nothing. Blood that's clearly coming from his mouth area. So anyone... Yeah looking at it would be like that fucker bit somebody uh, <laughs> that fantastic. scene was actually the catalyst for the whole film by the way uh, really how so yeah when i was uh i mean this is how old this thing how long this thing's been fermenting in my head and i just never found the right outlet for it because like 
there's so many great vampire movies. I just was like, I every time I'd have an idea, I'm like, uh, it's, either it's been done or I'm not going to do it. Like, it's not new enough to like merit mm-hmm. adding to the canon or adding yet another vampire movie. Um, but yeah, when I was in high school, actually senior year, uh, at a convenience store and had the automatic doors. And this one, like literally, if I walked up to it, it would not open. My buddy walked up to it, it would open. And so that became our joke that I was a vampire. Yeah, <laughs> I like and that. so we were joking about doing like a, a way back then, like a story about like an alcoholic vampire who gets frustrated because he can't get into the liquor store. Yeah. That's so funny. And so you have to kill somebody and wave them in front of the camera just so we can get in front of the get into like was like we we're joking about that way back in high school. I love that. That's wild. That's, That's fantastic. a great story. That's uh, yeah, I love that. I also, I mean, I really like the way this movie is kind of playing with some of that, like. If some if that idea is not new, it's very new to me. I had never thought about the idea before that if a vampire wanted to get drunk, they could literally use the blood alcohol content like to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. if that if it's been done before, it's new to me. And it like just that simple little idea. I was like, yeah, of course, there's a whole movie about this. Like that is such a great <laughs> thing to explore. I would say the same thing for the hand warmers. Yeah, that's something that I've never seen in a vampire movie before, yep. but it makes perfect sense yeah. even on like something like true blood they would often remark like "Ooh, you're cold to the touch and that show was like very sex forward at least for a while yeah, um yeah. and uh and then everyone got superpowers and it fell apart uh but uh yeah that was a very it, it was almost like humanizing you know yeah. yes literally she's trying to be more human but like it was humanizing for her like i need to be warmer i need to appear more human that was it was just a very cool ritual yeah. that is everyday life for a sexually active vampire and i never would have thought of <laughs> right really I, fantastic by the way i do i want to pay uh gabriella toth uh, a, a little bit of a compliment here too because she's like also tremendous in this movie yeah um I, her character arc was so unpredictable in a really really interesting way like as her story continued to unfold i kind of I don't know. I just kept thinking new and different things about her and how mm. I felt about her and her role in this story. And I, I, I she is so good. I, I, I just wanted to make sure that we get we got that on my. Oh, well. yeah. Seconded, seconded. And I really love that her development is you constantly uh, check back on the sequence of her jogging. Yes. And I love how that's like the, you know, whether she's going to eat the the guy who's fishing or not is yeah. like the metric of where she stands. And we keep checking in on that moment. Yeah. Very well done. Thank you. Yeah, she she was another one. Uh, it's funny, the family I kind of used as a reference for uh, for the Alila Vic family, which is, you know, uh, Yure and Victoria and their mom and dad who are referenced. I was based on the Bathory family, Elizabeth Bathory's family. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there was and, a there was a mention of of Bathory in the dialogue, wasn't there? Or am I thinking of something else? I feel like there was. Something I else. watched I a lot I of mentioned it. Week, I, re- so I don't know. But uh, found out after I cast Gabby that she, you know she's from Hungary. She grew up like a ten minute drive from the Bathory Castle. So oh, it's like, wow. oh, your ancestors were probably blood victims to the Bathories. Uh, right on. And not right on to that, but right on to the connection. Yes. So she brought such a level of authenticity, having grown up in a village in Hungary, um, to really like, you know, that girl who comes from a different place, a different time. Uh, and there's such a subtlety, like she can say so much with her eyes. And that role could easily come across as very regressive because 
oh, it's a girl that only finds happiness in other men or in men. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's always like looking for the right guy, that sort of thing. But in the context of a woman who comes from another era, who's trying to figure out who she is in this new era and exploring that sense. And even through like, you know, her discussions with Victoria and find that, you know, just maybe I need to work on myself a little bit or that sort of thing, um, or just find myself more. So exploring that, but also, you know, kind of playing with the tropes and wanting to do a little deconstruction. Like she comes at first, she's introduced and you're like, Oh, like a little bit of the damsel in distress type of vibe. As the movie goes along, you realize, like, no, she can handle herself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's not necessarily a victim of others. She's also a little bit, you know, there's a lot of a, there's a bit of a self-destructiveness in her own ways as well. Um, her own willingness to not, you know, her wanting to be normal and disappear is such a, is keeping her from who she actually is. Yeah, well, I mean, it, um, you know, without getting into too much detail so that, um, you, you know, the audience can enjoy it. I, I I was so interested in that, like, honestly, my initial impression of her was like, oh, she's like a new vampire that, like, you know, doesn't like it. Like, she's found out two weeks into this that it's like, oh, this sucks, you know. But yeah. obviously, as the story goes on and continues to unfold, we find out a lot more about her and her relationship to vampirism and thus her relationship to humanity as well. Like there's so much more to her character as it goes on that I thought was very like, uh, I mean, the whole movie is very human for a vampire movie. It's like a superhuman movie. Um, and, and her character in particular, I think is so human in such a recognizable way that uh, for one thing, I think you definitely avoid some of the, um, you know, some of the negative perceptions maybe you might initially have of a, of a female character like this in a movie. Um, but I also think, you know, her arc is by the end. So interesting too. There's so many more layers to her than, than are initially uh, presented. She has a curiosity to her that I think yeah. paves over uh, anything that could be considered like a reductive portrayal. Right. Um, because it never reads as her trying to find value through these experiences. Yeah. yeah. So much yeah. as trying to find an understanding. Um, totally. you know, just a good better place, it. you know, and, and yeah, it's very well done. And that's half the script and, and half her really, really tremendous performance. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. She, she was another, like, I mean, I was so fortunate with the cast in general. I mean, especially on a low budget indie, it's, it can be really hit and miss and with a cast of, and we had almost I forget God, 30 plus speaking roles in the film. Um, and Shooting in Vegas, there's a lot of talent in Vegas, like surprising amount of talent, like even some of the smallest roles, people just really delivered on it. And so it allowed, you know, it can be hit and miss. I mean, in Frey, my first film, there was a couple of the smaller roles that you can tell we didn't have access to the best actors uh, mm. or we afford. Uh, this one, I was so happy with the performances, like everybody really delivered. And so there's, to me at least, there's not that one performance that just feels like, oh, oh that shouldn't be there. Well, I mean, uh, even uh, Eric Cotty as uh, yeah. uh, Raymond, is that that character? Yeah, I mean, it's like he's so funny in such a particular and peculiar way that like really, I think it's like, you know, um, he's a supporting player, I would say, but but not a weak link like in any way. You know what I mean? It's like he I, he is great. I just the whole he movie gives is off populated. the sense that there is a full character there yes, where yeah, you know, yeah. he could just be a piece of plot motivation. Right. And um, but no, I get the sense like when he's, you know, like, oh, you really should go to the doctor and let me do some tests and check you out and all that. 
like I, I did believe that that was a genuine moment of altruism, you know, and like it came from the way he performed his character up until then that I just felt like he was a real guy and not just next in the next in line. You know? That was he, that was both as a character and as a casting, like that was a hard one to find just the right guy because I wanted somebody that felt like a real doctor, not like a TV doctor. It's like Mr. Charisma and cool, but like I got a real doctor who just loves being a doctor and he's a <laughs> yeah. social nerd. Um, and also being the antithesis of Yure. Right. And so, like, this guy who's, a, like, the exact opposite of Vanya uh, in both physicality and personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it kind of worked in that regard of, like, somebody who's trying to escape that, the life that she had. Why should be drawn to this guy who literally is a nerd who just wants to make people feel better? <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, he's the opposite so, of ego and selfishness. Yeah. Well, his um his very genuine nature uh makes um what she is trying to find in him that much more uh believable and interesting. I think, right? Um, yeah. It, it but to to your point, it's just like even the small players in this movie are like really doing great work, and it it sells the whole world of this movie. Even when I barely knew him, when he just kind of like goes like uh okay, and then decides to ask her out, I'm like, yeah, bro. Yeah. yeah, dude, believe in yourself. I like, like I felt like a yeah, man, you're worth it. Do it. But also, I was like, oh, she's a vampire. <laughs> yeah. I, we've all been there. I've I've been there many times. I'm like, oh, this is probably a bad idea, but yeah, let's go out. So. Yeah. He, he's very relatable. <laughs> yeah. So well, cool. I mean, thank you so much for having me on. It's obviously, yes. I mean, I love talking about the creative process just in general, but it's fun talking about this one. I'm really glad you both enjoyed it and found so much value in it. Uh, oh, I yeah. very much responded to this movie, man. Like, yeah, great work. It's definitely the type of movie, like I said before, that I'm going to enjoy watching other people watch, which right. means there's in the future, there's plenty of room where I'm going to be showing this to people and be like, yo, you want to check this out? Because awesome. it's certainly the kind of movie, too, that like, you go, you want to see a movie that no one's ever heard of that, that you're going to love? blood from stone and then you know it spreads from there but it, awesome. it's definitely very cool in that sense and and i very much enjoyed it and uh, to, to remind people listening like it's available right now but you know find yeah. it on prime find it on youtube wherever you can find it it's uh you can watch it now yeah check it out and and get at us too. shoot us a message let us know what you think about it yeah um okay. t- take a second to tell people like where they can find you uh you oh. know on the internet if they want like all that kind of stuff oh. I mean, I'm terrible about being online, but I mean, Twitter, Instagram, uh, it's G-E-O-P-H-R-I-A-N. It's a phonetic spelling of my name. Uh, so Jeff Ryan, um, those uh, Blood from Stone, you can find it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, just bloodfromstone underscore movie dot com. <coughs> but the website also has everything, uh, including the trailer, uh, links to where to watch it, reviews images info about the cast and crew all that good stuff and that's just bloodfromstonemovie.com so that's that's where you can find it. that one also like i said has links to all the places to watch it Great. Uh, within the u.s if you're overseas then i don't have those links on there uh, but uh but yes that's that's the place to find it and i i honestly i love hearing what people have to think about it even if you don't like it because honestly i i like to hear that too and nothing anyone has said so far is worse than what the voices in my own head tell me about my work so. <laughs> sure uh, heard that. Heard is, uh, that. is there anything like on the horizon we can look forward to 
Actually, funny enough, uh, you had mentioned a certain type of movie that you enjoy watching earlier, and I have one. Uh, the script is ready, and we've gotten the budget, and doing location scouts, still doing the fundraising for, but it's very loosely inspired by uh, Epstein's Ranch in New Mexico, Whoa. and it's a revenge story. Whoa. So, uh, yeah, that's really a pretty, hoping to get that one off the ground. Pretty good sell, just that uh, loose, yeah. basic concept there. Got to tell you. Based on the script from the... The handful of people who have read it, they said it's the most fun of it. Like, it's it's both the darkest material I've ever gone into and the most fun of anything I've ever written. So um, we'll see how it comes out. I love a oh, good revenge story, that. my friend. And that sounds super like a that. great person I'd like to see some <laughs> vengeance upon. So, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, it's definitely it's a little bit of like the, uh, you know, the Epstein stuff with the uh, the one percent versus the ninety nine percent, you know, and this very elite Deals with all that fun stuff, but it's also, it's just a balls out action, insanity, blood fest. So, That's, speaking my language, I, I, that, yeah, is, I will. that is good. I'm interested in all of those things. I will look forward to this greatly. Cool. Awesome. Eat the rich. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah thank thank you, you for being on. It was awesome. Cool. Wonderful. Take care. Uh, yeah. You too. So thank you to uh, Jeff Ryan, uh, the writer-director of Blood from Stone. Uh, delightful to have him. Yeah. Uh, love talking to him. I think we'll talk to him again sometime. Uh, I hope people I really will check the movie so. out. Yeah. I really hope so. Um, that was that was wild because I did not have any correspondence with him before we recorded. Right. Um, and so I did not know what to expect. And yes. so I was judging in my head, like, what do I expect from the guy who made this movie that I just watched with yeah. listeners? Definitely drop some money on Blood from Stone. You will not be mad that you did. It, it's yeah, yeah. real fucking cool. Yeah. Um, definitely going to stick with me for a while. But uh, it's funny. He was both exactly who I expected and not at all what I expected. <laughs> yes. um, but what a, what a great guy. So thank you to Jeff and thank you guys for listening. Uh, but definitely check out, uh, check out his movie. Definitely go out, buy it, do whatever. You will yeah. not regret it. Um, yeah. it it's, it. It's awesome. Yeah, and uh, and as we're closing out the show, I mean, find us everywhere you normally find us. I like two movie. It's numeric two. Um, we're part of the Movie John Podcast Network now. Yeah, so hit up moviejohn.com and uh, check us out there. Um, we've also got a new print issue coming out for the winter, which I believe is available for pre-order now. Um, and uh, and and Dan print. has been uh, writing uh, reviews furiously for Movie John as he did for Cinema Seventy Six. So doing what I can. Uh, I actually. Uh, I don't know when it's going to happen, but in March, I'm starting a regular column about nice. movies that are true crime. Ah, I love it. That's great. The effects that they have in the real world, the, <laughs> the, how they do. Well, because my first piece, and I'll pitch it right here, is going to be about Memories of Murder, oh, okay, which great. is one of the finest true crime stories ever told in film. And I think at 15 years after its release, found resolution to the crime. So right. I'm going to be exploring that. It's uh, it's great. pretty... Pretty damn cool. So I'm working on that. Uh, but yeah, Very definitely exciting. check out Movie John and all of that. But yeah. also, I wanted to throw this out Please. there because I wanted to make a recommendation. Uh, I talked about it on the show before, a movie called White Lie that I caught at a festival last fall. And so I just wanted to point out that uh, Rock Salt Releasing is releasing this on a bunch of streaming platforms. 
Uh, I believe this was released in January, so you can get it now, and I highly recommend that you do. Awesome. It's on Amazon, DirecTV, iTunes, a whole bunch. I'm not going to read all these things, a whole bunch of them. Yeah, okay, but, great. Um, Wait, yeah, Google Play, Vudu, Vimeo, Fandango, AT&T, Flixflake, iTunes, <laughs> Amazon, uh-huh. Direct, I'm just going to do it, Direct, On Demand, all that stuff, yeah. DirecTV. Uh, but it's definitely a movie that you should check out. I liked it quite a bit. It's like pretty fucked up, and I've thought about it. A lot, but it stars, I'm not going to know the actress's name, but she plays the girl that is kind of, uh, uh, Will on Hannibal kills her dad in the first season. I know exactly who you mean. And she kind of becomes like his little buddy and then she gets tied in with Hannibal and all that. I believe her Uh, name. She's the star and she does a fantastic job. Is it? Yeah. It's a Casey roll. Casey roll. That's it. And then, um, also, I want to point everyone out to a screening that's coming up for a movie that I saw called The Vigil. I believe it played at the Philadelphia Film Festival, but it is also going to be playing at the uh, Philadelphia, the Gershman Philadelphia Jewish Film Festival. Oh, cool. uh, they do a lot of cool stuff. That's where I saw the movie Demon that I talk about all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really great, and you would think, oh, it's a Jewish film festival. It's going to be just about religion. It's like really not, you know, yeah. the same way when you go to like we have the Asian Film Festival in Philadelphia, and it's 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 not niche you find a lot of really cool stuff yeah um so uh the vigil is having a seven day long streaming period from february 14th to the 21st 7 p.m to 7 p.m um if you uh oh and i should have thought of this uh where is it if you use the discount code shomer capital s h o m e r so just the s is capital there um, it's $4 off for the film. So you oh, can cool. screen that at pjff.org is the Philadelphia Jewish Film Festival. So definitely check that out. I've seen this movie. It's spooky as hell. Really, really cool. And $4 off. Who doesn't love that? And check out that as well as a bunch of other really cool stuff at the Jewish Film Festival, February 24th to the 21st. Hell yeah. The Vigil. Cool flick. That's great. Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll say this. So the... The vigil is quite literally about. Um, I don't. I'm not Jewish, so I might fuck this up. But when somebody dies, there's somebody who sits with the body for a period of time. I think like a like a holy man has to sit with the body for a period of time to facilitate the passing, and it's just like mm. a rite. And so this is a horror movie based around a priest given that task. Oh, interesting. That's, That's cool. fucking cool, That's right? A great premise. So, yeah, yeah, it's a cool movie. Great premise, done well. Um, the same way that we often see. We did our Omen episodes. We see Catholic mythology being repurposed for horror. We see that here, and it's something that I had never even heard of before. Um, So, yeah, check that out. And discount code SHOMER, S-H-O-M-E-R, at checkout for $4 off your streaming screening of The Vigil. Check it out. Awesome. And, uh, you know, find me everywhere at Philadelphia. It's with an F. uh, Twitter, Letterboxd, all that stuff. And on moviejohn.com. Yep. Uh, yeah. Same here. Uh, at Dan Scully on all of the things. Moviejohn.com is where you're going to find everything now. Uh, check out Findy.com as well. And uh, also check out my other podcast, Hot Property. Mm. Um, we've been doing some really, <laughs> really silly stuff. And uh, there's plenty more silly stuff to come. And you should also check out Dumpster Fires for You on Instagram for upcycled candles and if this is a youtube i've got one an example right here it's an upcycled beautiful candle smells like delicious vanilla and it's soy wax so Excellent. that's good or something uh, so yeah. check that out and uh tori and i have a new podcast 
uh, probably launching, I think, February. I think it's coming out, uh, this, I think, this month. Say, I'm, uh, I followed all the social media. Yeah, I'm I can't uh, It's called Killer Bees. Killer Bees Podcast. Killer BS Podcast. Not right. about Wu-Tang Clan. Um, I, that's that's become my catchphrase on the show now. This is not a oh, Wu-Tang nice. podcast. Uh, 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 you guys have, like, episodes stacked? Yeah, we, right uh, we've recorded, like, six of them so far. So, right on. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, we're, we're front-loading this baby. Uh, we're just going to let us it. keep that train rolling for a while. Um, that's the way to do it. My name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully. Oh, I have to pee, and I like to movie movie. We all know that you have to pee because we <laughs> we like, like to, to do it. To yeah, pee. pee. <laughs> oh man, delightful.